0: Hello. There it is. OK.
1: OK. Now now we're set uh, again. Sean Cavasso's been with Vargo about four and a half years. Um, prior to that was with a, a, another group out of uh, Atlanta. And most of my career has been in operation. So running fulfillment centers in South Florida. Uh, prior to that was uh, active army. Um, so we're glad you're here. As I had mentioned, we, we kind of offered this up last minute to these guys to fill an open spot. Um, you may have seen it on the board or in a, one of the books for Promat last year. So we'll talk through it. Um, and, uh, and certainly, any questions throughout, please feel free to stop us and ask questions. Um, not very many folks here, so we can make this as interactive as you guys want.
0: Hello. All right. So my name is Brian Pulfer. I am uh, the manager of data analytics and also solution design uh, for Vargo. Did that just cut out again? Oh, okay, all right. Uh, Manager of uh, data analytics and solution design for Vargo. I've been there for about uh, a year and a half, a little over a year and a half now. Uh, My job is basically working with Sean and the sales team uh, and also our our, our VAS group uh, to basically set up, work with individuals uh, whether it be a sales opportunity whether it be continuous improvement with an existing site whatever it may be that's what we're really focused on uh the one thing i would like to apologize for is that we're not archie and peyton manning this is you know i, I apologize if you got your days mixed mixed up but that's kind of where we're at so uh it is the sean and brian show like we said before and uh look forward to actually talking with any of you afterwards as we uh, as we go through the, through with this and as Sean said, I would like this to be more of an open forum. Uh, don't feel like you can't raise your hand. Uh, ask a question, whatever it may be, uh, based on what, we were, what we're putting together here, our thought process. So I'm going to let Sean take it away.
1: So we put together a couple of ob- objectives, and one thing I'd like to say before we even get started is um, there is no one way to do this. Uh, as you'll see, there's a couple of slides in here we'll stop and spend a few minutes on. Um, but each project is different, and there's no right and wrong answer for consultant, integrator, or an OEM. There's a whole lot of variables that, that you have to consider, and there's pros and cons with each. And so there's no right answer. So don't I don't know that if you're here to, to, for us to help you make that selection today, I don't know that you're going to walk out of here with that selection made today. Um, so a couple of things that we hope to, to accomplish while we're together is um, um, how do you know when to ask for help, who do you ask for help? Uh, a lot of folks are here at the show. Uh, when I was in ops, I had a little, limited exposure to a lot of the folks here. So I had no idea who who does what I need done. Uh, and where do I find those folks? Is there a book? You know, do you just Google? You know, use Google now. Um, but 15 years ago, that wasn't, wasn't as prevalent. So where are they? Who are the folks that compete in each one of these groups? How do I get introduced to them? How do I understand what their expertise is? Um, and, and what are the differences in, in the individuals in each one of these categories? And how do I determine uh, who, who's right for my particular project? So first, and, and, and I will tell you, this slide is one of the most important slides, I believe, that we'll go through the entire, the entire session. Um, you wouldn't believe how many folks we talk to uh, on a regular basis that don't have answers to a lot of these questions. Um, so, identifying an opportunity is one thing, but when you start talking about um, who's 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 it important to, is it important to IT, is it important to operations, is it important to finance, is it important who's it important to within your organization, um, and how are they going to measure success of that project? How are they going to value bring? How are they going to assess not only the the success of the project, but when you start bringing partners to the table or talking about folks to engage in that line? How are they going to view those folks and what's important to them? Um, The budgetary piece. Nobody wants to talk about money. Um, Most of the time, you know, there's always differing opinions on how much we're willing to spend. How much do we have an open checkbook or do we have, you know, X dollars to spend in X time frame? Um, Always internal conflict there. Um, Are you looking for a transactional partnership? Is this a one-off? You're going to add some conveyor, add a sorter add some racking, something very simplistic, or is this a long-term strategic partnership because you're opening up multiple buildings over a longer time period and you need somebody to understand your business and get in and help you to make those decisions, not only in the short term for this particular project, but also to help you grow your network. Um, Who are the project stakeholders? Again, um, see it all the time. Operations involved, IT's not. Bad idea. IT's got to be involved. IT's involved with operations, but finance is not. Bad idea. The finance guys are the ones that actually have to, to, to cut, the, cut the check. And so to save yourself a lot of headaches, get those guys involved, get buy-in, help under, help, help them understand what you're trying to accomplish and the value proposition. Um, any, any questions about any of this? I, I, I believe this is pretty important stuff. Yes, sir. um engineering if you've got engineering folks i mean that would be some, somebody else that i would say is uh inclusive who else anybody else that i
0: missed i guess one other thing is as you as you look at this list and it is an extensive list that you're trying to put together i guess one of the other things that you need to think about prior to because really this is setting the goalpost, right you don't want to go just blind leading the blind down a hallway trying to figure out what it is that you're going to end up at you really need to set you know, set a target that you're trying to hit. But one of the other things that a lot of people forget to do as you're going through these type of projects is, you know, Sean talked a little bit about it earlier, but, you know, defining what success is and what success isn't, but also how am I gonna measure success? Because there are KPIs, there are certain pieces, there are, there are financial hurdles that you're looking at to, to, to make this work. You're also looking at metrics inside your operation, whether it be a UPH improvement, whether it be a cycle time improvement, capacity, whatever it is. A lot of people will get down this path and forget about the fact that, you know, I don't even know what, what. you know, somebody asks, how's the project going? Uh, you know, I'm not really sure but you have to engage these type or engage those type of thought process when you're going through this but yes i think you know from an engineering perspective finance ops it if you've got all those people in the room you're you're probably in pretty good shape you're not at least you're not going to have to be halfway down the project and then walk back and bring somebody in it's totally cold because when you do that now you start basically repeating all the stuff that you did before so it's better to have everybody engaged from the get go
1: group. Um, and then the complexity of the project. If, if you're just putting in some, some racking, then IT may not be need to be engaged. So, you know, there's there's some variability there as well. Did somebody else have a question? So we're going to real quickly just move through, just for, for everybody's uh, sake. Uh, what what really is an integrator, or what we view as an defines an integrator versus a consultant versus an OEM? Again, this is this is just a definition. This is not the only definition. Um, so, Vargo is an, actually an integrator. So we do not manufacture any products. We don't we don't ra- we don't we don't manufacture racking, conveyance, sortation, um, or any hard goods. So when we engage with somebody on a project, we go out and actually consult with. A a whole host of folks, all based on form, fit, and function for that particular project. So we may have multiple conveyor uh, conveyor uh, manufacturers represented on a project. We may have a couple of different sorter uh, manufacturers represented in a building. So we're it's really we're supposed an objective party in this process, Um, and and we engage um, from the, the early on design engineering phases. All the way through commissioning and testing, so we see it from the front all the way through the back to ensure that what we said it was going to do, it actually does for for the for the client or the customer. Um, you'll hear us say one throat to choke, so it's a direct it's a direct relationship, and we are held accountable for the success or uh, making the project right at the end. Um, t- talked about some of this already. Um, again. Part of the benefit of, of going with an integrator is leveraging their relationships and their partnerships and their buying capacity with some of the, the large folks that you'll see on the floor out here for the different uh, material handling equipment. I um, guess that's, that's probably it for that. Brian, anything you want to add there? Um, consultant. <clears throat> consultant can be a one person. It could be a small business. It could be a very, very large consulting group. Um, and they, they bring usually or subject matter ac- expertise in, in a particular area. Um, they tend to complicate things. It's a lot of times uh, they can make something very simple seem a lot more complex, fantastic at presentations, um, and, and presenting and helping to build business cases for folks. Um, my experience has been a lot of times uh, on the network side, so big picture. You know, how big should your buildings be? Where should they be in a geographic location? Um, Some really, really high level um, engagements uh, where we would bring in a consultant uh, to support an effort. Um, Sometimes uh, on the design engineering study piece, they'll actually engage early with folks and help them develop a, a concept and then help facilitate the process with, with others, uh, getting bidders involved and helping to, to identify who out there can support their, their particular effort. And then the OEM, a lot of those folks are on the floor, a lot of big names here. Uh, they sp- specialize in a particular piece of equipment or type of equipment, and a lot of times when, when they get engaged, they, they may have a solution that fits your need, but it's gonna be a solution that comes um, from their factory. It's something that they do specifically and that they can bring value. Um, it may not, there may be a better widget out there. There may be something else that may they may be able to bring in to help their widget uh, provide you with a better result. I think some do that. Some may not be willing to collaborate with other, other OEMs uh, in order to bring you a, a best in class. Um, and again, the last point there is a lot of times, if you're not doing this on a regular basis, then you're really a small fish in a big pond, and you really don't have any leverage with, with a lot of those guys that are out there, like um, an integrator does, or somebody who's doing regular business on an ongoing basis. Um, and so a lot of times you get lost in the shuffle. You're not as important. Uh, the project may be important when it's actively, you're engaged and you're executing, but on the support side, after it's over, again, you, you're just maybe just a number in the system. So a lot of information here. Um, we can provide this, this deck to you guys so you have access to this. I think it's extremely important because it gives you a side-by-side comparison on some of the ways that we view each one of the different uh, ways that, that you can partner. And again, it's, it's there's pros and cons with everything. Uh, there's not one provider can be everything to everybody. Um, so some of this we've already talked about and some we'll continue to talk through, but. Um, each has their areas of expertise Uh, it depends on what's important to you uh, both short and long-term we're going to talk a little bit about timing and the differences if you if you go with an integrator OEM model versus a consultant there is a difference in the timing that may or may not be important to you Um, I will tell you probably 50% of the projects that we work on are now like we're engaged late in the game, and we've got just a few months to actually get through and, and execute the project. So, in um, 50%, we actually have some leeway or time to talk through and to do some additional analysis and additional upfront work. And Brian seems not jumping through hoops trying to make something happen so that we can order equipment to meet peak this fall. Um, so, depending on where you are in your, your process, uh, that may be a determining factor on which which way you decide to go. And the next slide just shows you, um, just again, a sample of what the differences in timeline look like. Um, again, we made a point here, you know, a longer, le- longer time, uh, project time, uh, added delays to your ROI and added, added uh, project management costs, but that may not be important uh, if you do have the time
0: i think the important piece that sean hit on here is that you know if 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 you're about to undertake a uh, a project whether it's small or whether it's large i mean it could be massive in scale it could be a a whole new building or it could be just adding something to your existing process today Uh, the, the main thing is you know if if you can be out in front of it have the right people in the room to to have the conversation and really think about who you need, you know, the scope of your project and what's going on and who needs to be there, who are the decision makers, who is this impacting? If you can have that laid out from the very beginning, then it basically fits in this type of timeline here. If you don't do those things early and you have to keep getting to month two or three and then going back again circling back it it, it becomes more and more difficult to continue to move that project and and like you're seeing down there the delayed costs the roi you're basically eating into all those things that you've calculated and you've tried to basically say this is why we're doing this if you don't manage the project well enough or understand exactly what you're trying to do and who you're trying to do it with then there's a good chance that you're going to extend that timeline and then it's just cost to everybody the, only point,
1: the uh, only point that I'd like to add to this, this timing of projects is, is, is I didn't know how, how long some of these projects take. I didn't realize the lead times, especially because business is good for everybody right now, the lead times on some of this equipment is 12 months plus. So 18 months plus. So, it, so it's not something that just happens overnight. And that's once you decide on a solution, a layout, and a fit, then you actually get through finance and get the money to pay for down payment. And then it's another 18 months before you get the equipment. So uh, I, I had no idea that that, that that was the way it works. And so that was a surprise to me. So if you don't do this on a regular basis um, and you're having these conversations and you may be surprised at when, you, when you breach the subject with somebody, no matter who it is, at what that timeline really looks like and when, when you think you were going to be able to get the uh, project accomplished isn't even realistic. It, it's two years out and you thought you were going to get it done in the next six months or 12 months.
0: I can hit on this. Uh, who owns the risk, right? Um, it, it really depends on, you know, again, who you have in the room, right? From a from a consultant model, you know, they're, again, a wealth of knowledge, everything's there, but they're basically giving you direction. It's not necessarily a, here's exactly what we're going to do. It may be more goalpost oriented, like we were talking about, depending on the scale or scope of the project. But again, they're bringing in other people. So it's a relationship that they have with a, I don't think we've got sound. Do we have it again? Can you guys hear me? Really low. Okay. Sorry. It's really low. Can you turn it up? <laughs> Can you hear me now? Yes. A little better. All right. I'll try to speak up. My, my fault. But, again, you've got a, a consultant group that has relationships with, with whoever they're bringing in from the outside, those providers. From, uh, they've, they've developed an RFQ. We're now going out. We're getting those people together. So, so what it is now is you've got a consultant. You also have those providers. So, you know, sometimes there can be a little back and forth between, you know, who's got responsibility for what. And that also becomes difficult if you aren't really, really clear from the get-go about what roles and responsibilities are for everybody in the room right um from an integrator and an oem model you know you know i i know sean hit on it earlier but we talk about that that concept of one throat to choke Uh, from our perspective as an integrator we're going to own that from the time it basically hits whatever we've put in place. And we're also looking at what's happening upstream in the process and what's downstream in the process. Um, and the OEM's really going to do that the same, right? They own it from a, from, from a point in time where I start my project, I've got my piece, I'll handle it. But then from a process perspective, they'll own that too. Uh, it's, it's a little different when you look at those two. Um, just on kind of where they engage and how they engage. And ultimately, at the end of the project, you know, who's responsible for what afterwards. So what we wanted to do is just kind of walk through a couple of, uh, of scenarios. And again, these are things that we're doing on a daily basis. Somebody may come to us with this project or that project. And there's a lot of times where we're, you know, we're telling them, hey, that's really not within our, Within our scope. So when you look at the consultant, when you look at the OEM, when you look at the integrator, they're really involved they're t- to get them involved, there's really three separate types of projects or scales that we're talking about that, that would that would you you really need to be able to assess in order to then move forward with them. So scenario one, the project that we're looking at is to basically adding a singles processing line to the packout area. So if I think about the impact of that, really you know not a large impact it doesn't you know it's impacting you know the director the general manager from a stakeholder standpoint the operational side it's really the pack out soups those are the people that you're going to have involved in this but it's really the associates that are there and it's really one portion a small portion of the operation that you're running obviously this doesn't really have much of a an impact on your your pick area or your tower or whatever may be happening but from a systemic scope it obviously Could have an impact farther upstream because if I'm adding a singles process I didn't have one before so I need to think about the fact that I need to have IT in this room because in order to get anything from split from what used to be the multi-order and the single order processing now I've got to split that so now I have to develop a new pick work stream, a new pack work stream, I need to think about how my orders are being activated, my order batching, what I'm going to release, how this is going to move, what that looks like from a pole to this area as opposed to what it was before. So again, it's one of those deals where some people just think you're walking out and taking a piece of conveyor and slapping it up and the singles are just going to show up. Well, you know, let's look at it from a macro standpoint and make sure that we all understand where the touches and the changes are throughout the whole process. From a mechanical spoke or scope, you're looking at the divert logic from the existing conveyor or sorter. Again, you may have conveyor, maybe you don't. But again, if you're delivering carts, I still need to know where those singles carts go versus, versus everything else. So now you're impacting process. You're going back into work instructions. You're going back into all those things. And then the conveyor install, the pack stations, and the merge logic into the uh, existing sorter conveyor if you have that. Good. So in scenario one, if you're really looking at this, this is something an OEM can really handle. If you own your WMS or your WES, however you're processing your uh, your orders, the OEM can basically come in and, and really do all that divert logic and everything that we're talking about from a uh, just a, a functional, a physical standpoint. Again, your team is going to need to to probably work a few work instructions, maybe do a little bit, little bit differently from a, from a WMS perspective. But really, the decision criteria is this you know, it's localized scope, it's inside the four walls, shouldn't be that large of a project. It's an existing and established facility. Obviously, it's a new process, but everything you've been doing, you're probably building off of to, to scale this up. And it's really limited systemic integration. You might have some configuration, some other things, but really the integration is going to be whether or not I'm directing a tote down a different line. And then the extension of basically the current solution. So in this, in this type of scenario, a smaller project, something that you know exactly what you want, you're going after, the OEM is really a logical path that you would take in this instance. So scenario two incorporating an ASRS goods to person solution into an existing operation. Um, Does everybody know what I'm talking about when I say the ASRS goods to person solution? So basically a a huge, well, it's basically a uh, a, a mechanized rack that's gonna pull totes and deliver them to people as opposed to your traditional picking methodology. So obviously now that impact, medium capital expenditure, I mean, Depending on how many aisles you're talking about, you could be talking about tens of millions of dollars, or you could be talking about a couple million dollars. Um, And then you're adding space and processing capacity to an existing facility. At least when you normally put it in ASRS, it's, it's to condense the space so I don't have to drive fork trucks up and down, pulling cases, you know, it could be also put in for capacity reasons. But the stakeholders for this uh, you've got the president, the VP, the director, the GM. When you start to get into those millions of dollars, this is a whole different conversation about you know, budgetary sign-off and what Sean was talking about earlier from a finance perspective. So you really need to understand the, sky, the, 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 the scope and scale of what you're talking about. And then the operational impact. It's so really the GM, the OM, the Supes, Um Really the entire site's going to change in, a, in, a, in, a, in some project like this. So from a systemic scope, You've got new logic to direct the material in and out of the ASRS. Um, a lot of um, a lot of OEMs will have their uh, their their own software that will run this. But honestly, when you're plugging something in the middle, you've really got to think about what the upstream process and the downstream process look like from a from, from a uh, from a project with the scope of this nature. And then the mechanical scope, significant design minimal permitting, new rack conveyor, equipment install, goods to person stations, the merge logic into the existing conveyor. Similar, some items there from from the last one, but really, um, I would call it, compared to the last OEM project we were talking about, this is really kind of hit on steroids, because this is a huge undertaking for most people. So when we think about something like this, because now you're getting into, do we need another... Um, another uh, WES? What's the functionality? How is this going to run? You know, I, I need to form and fit to basically plug into my existing operation, and I've got to make this work. Um, you don't just basically plug these things in and, and kind of hope and pray, because uh, if we've I've seen it, a, you know, probably more times than I would like to count, if somebody doesn't understand what they're putting into their into their operation. And when they do, you know, it's it's kind of locked things up or, you know, it's created another another pinch point in their process. So when you have those, now these things turn into giant. Well, in some cases, turn into a giant paperweight because it it's it's not flowing with the rest of the business anymore. And this is when you take that integrator and you're using their wealth and wealth of knowledge and, and their experience to say, what do you normally see when you put these in also? you know, who's, who's the best ASR, ASRS out there, right? Is it a shuttle system? Is it a, an ASRS? All those things look the same, but they have different capabilities depending on rates that you're trying to hit, what it is you're trying to move. Are you moving cases or totes? What are we trying to process? And an integrator in that, in, in that type of scenario will be able to take what they've, what they've learned in the past and who they work with and be able to plug that into your operation and make that work scenario three from a project standpoint you've got a network design and turnkey new build of three facilities um anybody been involved with a a project of that size and scope yeah so that's no joke uh that takes years it takes sometimes decades for for those types of things to happen and and honestly i've been involved with a couple of projects like that and it's it's painstaking. You're basically moving from one city to the next and, and kind of basically building up somebody's network. Most of the time that happens organically. As somebody starts to grow, they'll they'll have, you know, one building and then they'll span to two or three or four. But still the same type of scenario. When you get into the, you know, it's a greenfield and we've got a, you know, the facilities group is is involved now and everybody's a part of this project, you know, the impact, this is a huge capital expenditure. Um, it's going to change the, the aspects of how their supply chain flows. It's changing transportation routes. It's changing all of these types of things where this isn't you know, just a, you know, a, a, an OEM that's plugging in a, a, a small new singles line, right? The stakeholders, I mean, you're talking about the board, the CEO, I mean, you're going up to a board meeting basically to get approval for this type of funding to make these types of things happen. Uh, From an operational perspective, it's really anybody from the COO down, uh, the VPs, the directors, all of these people that basically operate these buildings, you know, it all looks different. It's going to change what they do today, or at least I would assume that if you're making a huge network change like this, it's to, you know, take a next step forward from a technology standpoint or a capacity standpoint. The systemic scope, really, you know, it could be a new ERP, it could be an OMS, WMS, WCS, WES. You have all these different players that could be in the, uh, in, in the room and you're trying to figure out what this looks like. But it's really a full redesign of all logic and processes when you're taking on something like this. The mechanical scope, significant design procurement permitting Uh, new rack and conveyor equipment install. You know, we were talking about an ASRS with scenario two. An ASRS may be part of this too, but there's also probably a shipping sorter and there's all these other things that need to happen, right? So in this scenario, you know, if you've got the size and scope, there's very few people who probably usually have the, uh, the, the, the talent or the understanding within their own organization to take something like this on. This is when you're looking out to that consultant, somebody that has contacts, understanding, been through this type of activity in the past. Um, you know, you're, you're basically doing demand planning. Now you're taking your order base and you're looking, where's the best place to put this facility, right? You've got all types of things that are going on here that, that a consultant is gonna be more equipped to handle when you're, when you're looking at size and scope like this. now. You might have an OEM that that consultant is working with. You might have an integrator that that consultant's working with. But that's really that, that, that macro level. You're going from the, the 10,000 foot to the 25,000 foot to the 50,000 foot view when you're getting into this type of thing. Um, and each, in each one of these facilities, you'll have a lot of aspects of some of those smaller projects. But when you're, uh, when you're working with an entire network design, it's a, it's a totally, different, uh, totally different animal. So, from our standpoint, the key takeaways here, um, you know, we talked about it earlier and Sean talked about that one slide that we were looking at, but gaining alignment internally on the outcomes, the, the, required, the desired and required timeline, the budget first, the metrics, what success looks like, all of those things, whether it's an OEM, whether it's an integrator, whether it's a consultant, all those things never change you still have to basically set the goal, give me the goalpost, this is what we're shooting for, and here's how we're gonna measure it along the way. The other piece is, there are absolutely an endless amount of options and alternatives for considerations, right? One size doesn't fit all, some things are expensive, some people like you know, this type of flow versus that type of flow, and you can, there are, You know, I'll use the old adage, but there's a lot of ways to skin a cat, and nobody's ever done it just one way, and it's and it's just changed the world, right? Um, there's a lot of people out there who operate in the e-com facilities, right? And we all know Amazon does a good job of it, but because they they are, I mean, they're on the they're across the industry. There's tons of people who do it different ways, right? It's not there isn't one way to process this type of stuff and to go about these types of projects. The proper due diligence during the partner selection process is really critical. Um, that's not something you wanna take lightly. It's not something, you know, I've got friends that, that, that do certain things. It's, it's not one of those deals where you just call your buddy and, and, and hope it works out at the end. Um, if you go through the due diligence, do the interviews, take those people to, to task, go, go visit sites that they've done, go look at projects that they've done, have them show you what the results look like from those projects. You need to do all of those things in order to make sure that your project is also gonna be successful, whether it's small as an OEM integrator or a consultant-based project like we've talked about.
1: The, the one thing that I think about uh, on that last point and I, and I started with it was trust but verify. There's a ton of cool stuff out here, but the majority of it wasn't here a couple of years ago. So what that means is, is it's real. You see it here, but how does it apply to your business? Where have they, where, where, where have they done it before? Can I talk to those people? Um, can I see it in action? Um, because we, we, we're talking about it every day now. Um, we're starting to interact and, and, and build alliances with folks out here because, because that's where everybody's going. Um, but there's a lot of cool toys, but, but they're not proven. You know, Some are ahead of others, um, and they're evolving daily. Um, but I, w- I, w- I would just say trust but verify um, and, and, and make sure that you do your due diligence and understand how integrating e- in any one of these technologies or multiple technologies into your existing site is going to impact everything upstream and everything downstream. Because we've, we have folks that we go into a building and they've got robots, but it's, it's clogging up everything upstream coming out of the pick module. And, and there's nothing downstream because the robot's not keeping up with the rates that it was supposed to keep up with. Um, those types of scenarios are happening daily. So um, just just be careful and, and, and do the due diligence, it's important. Um, integrating across multiple technologies in a building has been going on at some level for years, but now we're asking technology to do a lot more um, and to have those seamless transactions with your WM or your WES. Um, it's it's tough. It's tough, and and we're all working through it. Nobody nobody's figured it out just yet, um, but it, but it's a fun time to be doing what we're doing. I, I will tell you that it's pretty cool, uh, and I expect next year to really be even more exciting with more success stories. So, any any questions before we break the session? No. Yes, sir.
2: Hello, can you guys hear me okay? This is, pinky up. So I'm three weeks into this career. It's my third career. All this is like very new to me. Not the sales aspect of it, but the acronyms and things of that nature. So you mentioned quite a bit right at the front of your presentation to get the right people in the room at the right time so you don't have to scale forward, or go backward and things of that nature. And being in sales, that's what I do but is there certain techniques or am I missing something here? Because it seems like you're having the clients come to you versus you go to the clients. Does that make sense? Are they reaching out to you for, for that consultative type approach? You're not reaching out proactively looking for those type of interactions. No,
0: understand, understand. We've all been there. Trust me. And the acronym thing, uh, trust me, you move from customer to customer to customer, whatever you're doing, they all have new acronyms, and you basically need to sit down and write them all down on a piece of paper, because you will be lost after about five minutes. So, Um, but i think it really works both ways um we do go out and we'll you know we'll talk to customers about what they do what they don't do things that we've seen but a lot of times they're coming to us and you're exactly right you know they're they've got a a specific problem to to handle now the thing is is if even though they they can identify the problem but what you were talking about is getting the right people in the room right a lot of times we're helping with all right we need to have this person, this person, this person, you know, maybe they've never been through this before. They've never gone through something with this scope or scale or whatever it may be. So, you know, we're trying to basically help them along at, at, because there's certain milestones in that timeline, right? Where you say, all right, we've kind of, you know, we've got a good idea of what this looks like now and what we want to do. You know, finance was maybe here early on, you know, to say, here's really your budget. This is what we've got to spend so that we, we at least have you know, some parameters to work within. Um, But then we'll come back and and we'll pull that finance group back in to say, all right, now that's the piece of equipment that you told us about. Now we're talking about ROI. Now we're talking about what what this is going to mean for the business overall. And then also basically looping them in. The last thing that you wanna do is have those people, especially in IT, whatever it may be, right? They need to be there uh, while you're walking through this. They don't necessarily be in de- need to be in the details of you know, the design sessions and things like that, but it's basically just having a, even if it's at arm's length, um, it's, it's different milestones through the project so that everybody can be on board and basically have buy-in throughout the whole process um, to avoid that extensive length of time like we were talking about before. Sorry. No, you're okay.
2: I appreciate that because on the app, it says what I was gonna learn was to be determined, which I'm learning a lot, quite frankly, but my business might be a little bit different than what yours is because you're having clients come to you with a pain point, right? And I'm I'm going out to the clients searching for the pain point. So it's, it's on the same page, it goes both ways. So I was just trying to take, right. That's right. Okay, good. I'm on the right page then. Also folks who
0: think they
1: have and a thank you. And I'll tell you, being so new, meet as many people here and get as many business cards as you can whether it's competitors, whether they're in your space, whether people change organizations daily, people get promoted daily, um, and the more folks you have in your network, the better uh, accessible you are, and, and they are, you know, from you, um, and, and I will say, I mean, I've only been doing this, like, six years, maybe, six and a half years, and, and that's been the most valuable thing I learned um, is, is absolutely, who cares? If it's a competitor, hey, who you need to know what they're doing, and guess what? You know they may be your teammate next year, six months from now. Um, so that—that's my advice to you on a personal level: is you know, um, don't don't think think about it in the grand scheme of things.
3: Yes, sir. So I came from the OEMs five years ago. Now I'm a consultant. Yeah, one of the I'm one of them. Yeah. Um, but I changed. I, I left my job and started my own business four and a half years ago now, five years ago. And m- my first six months were one customer. And they got delayed by six months as well. So for the first six months, I had no work. You did the first one. The first one's happy. You get the second one because they talk. It's a small industry globally. I'm from Australia, so it's, ours is even smaller than yours. You get the first one, you get the second one, the third one, and now I've got five team members. So it's it's all about... Like these guys, it's networking. One guy comes to you, they're happy. They talk to their neighbors, they talk to their clients, the next guy comes to you. One turns into two, to three, to five, to ten, to fifteen, to twenty five. You gotta start somewhere. Start with the first one.
1: And and don't sign up for something you can't execute. You know, don't 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 sign don't stretch to the point beyond, yeah, don't over overcommit. Thanks, guys, for coming.
0: For any of you who might be interested, we do have some literature up here, just white papers if you want to read. If you don't, that's okay. But, uh, and obviously, if you want to stop by our booth, feel, feel free. Um, we'd be happy to have a conversation if you're looking for something. So, okay. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys.